reproductive health services to people in northern and eastern Maine since 1984. Insurance, Maine Care, self-pay accepted, and reduced fees for uninsured clients. MabelWadsworth.org. Hi, I'm Fritz, host of the Blues Station here on WERU every Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 4. Join me as I share with you independent artists as well as those major studio artists uh, from major blues labels that I find from all around the world that are carrying on the traditions from the blues greats that started this genre over 100 years ago. They're keeping the tradition alive by injecting soul, rock and roll, rhythm and blues, jazz, and everything else all together to come up with some of the best blues that are on the planet today. So right here, every Wednesday afternoon, here on WERU, the Blues Station. Support for WERU comes from Susan Bakley and Chris Marshall at the 13th Moon Center in Montville, offering shamanic healing, art from the heart, through art therapy and classes since 1985. More information is available at 13thmooncenter.net, all spelled out, or 589-3063. You're listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. This is Community Radio, WERU.org. We are a voice of many voices and a volunteer-powered and also listener-supported We hope that you stick with us now for Healthy Options, which is coming up in just a few seconds. Let me tell you, though, an advance warning here. Tests today of a presidential nationwide emergency system conducted by FEMA on compatible mobile devices and on the air. Wireless test at 2.18 p.m. and a radio test at 2.20 p.m. Just a test by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Stay tuned for Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and today we'll be speaking with Dr. Shelley Carson, author of Your Creative Brain, Seven Steps to Maximize Imagination, Productivity, and Innovation in Your Life. She is also the co-author of the critically acclaimed book, Almost Depressed. She is a... uh, PhD and received her PhD in psychology in 2001 from Harvard, where she continues to teach and conduct research. Her research on creativity, psychopathology, and resilience is widely recognized nationally and internationally. Dr. Carson's work has been featured on the Discovery Channel, NPR, CNN, and the BBC, and she has been noted in magazines such as Newsweek, Scientific America, uh, Scientific American, and on Psychology Today, she is the uh, author of the popular blog called Life is Art. She travels globally to speak on creativity to groups as diverse as neuroscientists, mystery writers, and at-risk youth. She, in addition to her writing and teaching and, con- and conducting research, Dr. Carson has worked on a subject matter ex- as a subject matter expert for the Department of Defense, helping create an online resilience tool for our troops returning from Iraq and Afghanistan with mel- mental health issues such as PTSD, depression, and alcohol abuse. And finally... We could keep going, uh, Dr. Carson. (laughs) She has a new book in the works, tentatively called Your Life Message, which is a recipe for discovering and dispensing your unique wisdom 
in a creative medium. As she says, this recipe will not only increase your personal resilience, but will help you make a lasting contribution to our culture. And I want to welcome you today on Healthy Options and WERU Community Radio, Dr. Shelley Carson. We're very pleased that you're here. We're very pleased that you're here with us today. Um, I think we are not with her today. We are going to uh, take a moment to um, to get her back on the line. That line, uh, but I do want to tell us uh, talk a little bit about uh, her book, Your Creative Brain: Seven Steps to Maximize Imagination, Productivity, and Innovation in Your Life. Uh, do we have you here, Dr. Carson? I think I'm here. Can you hear me, Rhonda? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, we we can. Is uh, I, Are you on a headset by any chance? Um, no, I'm not. Okay, great. Um, okay, well, we will, uh, we're just going to boost your levels. It's a little low, but we I think we can work with that. John, can we? Ah, and we've lost you again. Okay, so... We're going to be very creative here as we figure out uh, our technical difficulty. I want to talk about um, Dr. Carson's seven steps to maximize imagination. You know, often we think of of creativity. We have an idea of, of who's creative and who's not. And I think what Dr. Carson is going to be telling us is that we actually are all creative and that what we can do is learn ways to maximize these seven ways that our brain works. She is... These are not solid and, and fixed ideas of, of uh, how our brains work, but in fact, they're flexible and everything should actually connect together as we are trying to solve a problem or create a new um, idea. So, uh, Dr. Carson, I've started without you. Oh, thank you. And I've. And, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. And I'm uh, trying to. Uh, what I, what I started to talk about was how, in, in fact, we have an idea of what creativity is or who is creative, and someone may say, well, they're the creative ones and I'm not. But in fact, what, what you're talking about is that we all have uh, the capacity in some manner, shape, and form to, to be creative, and we could even talk a little bit about what does creativity mean, and, and maybe we can start there. Okay, absolutely, yes. When I started studying creativity, and that would have been over 20 years ago now, I can't even believe it. Um, <laughs> I believed uh, as there were some people who were creative and then there were the rest of us. And through my studying, I and especially the neuroscience of creativity, I really came to believe that we are all indeed creative. We all have this wonderful creativity machine right inside our skulls, our fabulous creative brains. And we all have this capacity to be creative. So I will tell you a little bit about um, what we believe the definition of creativity is. A lot of people actually come to me at um, when I'm doing workshops or, or talks and they say, well, I'm not a bit creative. I can't even draw a stick figure. And these people are actually confusing creativity with talent. Ah. Talent is technical ability in a particular domain. So if you have perfect pitch or you are able to draw with great perspective or you have a real facility with, um, say, calculation, uh, mathematical calculation, that would be talent. 
but creativity is something different altogether. To be creative, you have to have uh, the ability to produce something that's both original and useful or adaptive. So our working definition of creativity would be something like this. My definition is creativity is the ability to take bits of information and combine them or recombine them in novel and original ways to produce ideas or products that are adaptive or in some way useful. So again, the major ideas there are it has to be original or novel, combined or recombined bits of information, and those may be bits of information that are stored in your own unique repository of information, memories, skills, experiences inside your own brain, or taking information from the outside environment, combining it or recombining it in novel or original ways to produce ideas or products that are in some way useful or adaptive. And that's the definition of creativity. Okay. Um, how, how's everybody doing out there? Are you feeling able? Are, do you feel intimidated? Anybody feel intimidated? <laughs> <laughs> and I think the trick is, while that does sound a little daunting, am I doing something totally original? Will this help humankind? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, let me give you an example. What you and I are doing right now is a creative act. That's right. And when people, when your listeners are engaged in conversation with someone else, that's a creative act. If you think about it, you're taking bits of information, which are words, and you're combining them in novel or original ways, unless you walk around every day with a script about what you're <laughs> going to say, um, talking points for the day. Um, <laughs> what you're saying to everybody that you talk with is novel and original. Nobody's put those words together exactly the way you're putting them together. And you're doing something that's adaptive and useful. You're imparting information to whomever you're talking to. So human conversation is a creative act. And if you think of all the things that we have to do, that our brains have to do, in order to have a conversation, it's an amazing and imaginative thing that we're doing. Yes, and and that that was what I what I was uh, getting to, and what you talk so eloquently in your book is that everyday there's so many everyday activities such as a conversation that cre that are creative that we are usually, as you said, complex bits of information, whether from our uh, internal life or the external world. Ah, we are having, uh, we are being very, very creative here. So I'm going to just go ahead and talk a little bit about, uh, while we get she uh, Shelly back on the line, about what she calls brain sets and the creative process. So everything she was saying about this conversation, are you back? 
I'm back, yes. Okay. Um, this is really great. Uh, this has never happened before in all the years I've done this show, Shelley. So I think that this whole idea of creative uh, creativity is, is really infusing our entire experience today. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the things that's really important about being creative is the ability to improvise. So we'll just have to improvise if this keeps happening. Exactly. And I'm so sorry. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Perhaps this has to do with the... Uh, the uh, the the security test that we're going to have later today, but we won't go into that direction right now. But anyway, okay, strange atmospheric conditions. Strange atmospheric conditions. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Stranger things. Th- that's right. More than you've ever thought could be happening <laughs> are happening right here. So, the idea of how our brains work and the, and how a simple thing as this conversation that we're having is complex and is amazing and there are things that are happening consciously and there are things that are happening automatically and and doesn't that fit in with your ideas of of your of the brain sets let's let's talk a little bit about that i was just about to introduce that while you were in cyberspace (laughs) (laughs) yes okay yeah so one of the things that has always been fascinating to me is what is going on inside our brain when we are engaged in creative acts. And one other thing I just wanted to bring up to your listeners um, when they think about creative acts that they're doing every day is alternate uses for ordinary objects. Every time you use an object for for a purpose it wasn't intended for, so for instance, using a box to pro to prop open a door. A box wasn't meant to do that. But that's a creative act, using an object for a purpose it wasn't intended for. In fact, that is so creative that alternate uses for objects is actually one test for creativity that we use. So considering all the different uses that you can think of for, say, an empty soup can or a paper clip is called a divergent thinking task, and it's one of the tests that we use for creativity. I just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, that's so, fantastic. So, yeah, I, I was... Oh, uh, so, yeah, so just think of all the times you do that every day. We all do it. We, we improvise. We use things for purposes they weren't intended for, and that's a, that's a creative act. We're, we're doing creative acts constantly throughout the day. But anyway, getting back to what you were mentioning about different um, brain sets, one of the things I was very interested in when I first started studying creativity was what's going on in the brain. And I started reading the scant neuroscience that was available at the time, and it seemed very contradictory. And so I wanted to try to figure out what was going on with all this contradictory neuroscience. And what is actually going on there is that the brain is engaged in a number of different processes or different stages of creative process as going through creative activity or creative different stages. The brain is actually in a different configuration or a different brain activation state. And I call these different brain activation states brain sets, because they're sort of the biological equivalent of a mindset. 
when you're in different mindsets, you're actually looking at the world differently and reacting to the world differently. And the same is true when you're in different brain activation states or different brain sets. You're really looking at things completely differently. And so I talk about these in my book, Your Creative Brain. And what you want to do is be in the right brain set for the type of task that you're trying to perform at the time. And we all go through the world, go through our daily lives, in particular brain sets. We all have our favorites, um, our mental comfort zones, as I call them. And the trick to being more creative is to figure out which are your mental comfort zones and then try to stretch yourself so that you can learn to um, activate. Okay. Okay. Um, we're gonna call. We're gonna call Shelley back on a different line, Doctor Carson. I hope she recognizes that. I was just about to say, if we lose you again, we're gonna call you back on a different line. So, I think it's really fascinating, and I know uh, that um, that Doctor Carson is gonna talk about this in a little bit with the idea that you have a comfort zone of your brain set, but you can learn, you can stretch your mind to actually incorporate things that are less comfortable. So in case you've just tuned in and you're hearing my voice instead of Dr. Shelley Carson's, um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting her back on the phone. But in the meantime, you're listening to Healthy Options. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and this is uh, on WERU Community Radio. And our guest today is Dr. Shelley Carson, the author of Your Creative Brain, Seven Steps to Maximize Imagination, Productivity, Innovation in Your Life. Welcome back, Dr. Carson. Yes. You're on I'm a different. Sorry, I don't know how far um, we got in my little. Um... Your spiel there, yes. <laughs> your creative, uh, very very well said uh, explanation. Um, I'm hoping this line will be better. You're on a different uh, a, a different pathway, as as it were, uh, the equivalent okay. of our new brain set. Uh, on the technical level, we were you were saying that um, we have a comfort zone. We have there are seven ideas that you have identified to uh, that that create uh, that we work with when we're trying to solve a problem or be creative and that that we can actually flex other muscles we can actually extend ourselves and learn about uh, the ones that we're not as comfortable about maybe you can expand on that yeah. yes exactly so different brain activation states and um, the more of those that you can learn to be comfortable in uh, the more creative you can help yourself to be so once you identify which are your brain activation, your, your um, mental comfort zones, then you can stretch yourself by doing exercises that help you with other brain sets. And um, so that's, that's the gist of the, the program or the, the model of your creative brain. I call it the create brain set model. So let's let's talk about a, a few of these different uh, different brain sets, uh, and how would one know what one's comfort zone is? I know there's a whole there's a fascinating test that we all took, and it's uh, very interesting because I, I I did ask a number of uh, of other people of of friends to to take this test as well, and there were some people who just zipped right through it, and this is no problem. And then there were other people who were, I mean, it took them like two hours to do, to do the test. They were like, well, what does she mean this? And 
what about that? And and it, it was I, I and then it was fascinating. <laughs> it was a whole different mindset. And uh, when it came to the end, uh, that particular person, and we can go into this, seemed to be an absorb, very much a, uh, a into a, uh, a divergent uh, idea of of how how to approach the world so maybe we can and then the other people there was and then, and then other people were like well I'm, this is totally easy and i'm going to stay on task and do this and they were all in the you know, needed needed uh, they weren't absorbing as much they were more this is how you do it and this is my goal so anyway right so those people were probably more deliberate um uh thinkers yes well, i talk about uh, there's two different pathways to creativity a deliberate and a spontaneous Yes, and several of the brain sets are associated with deliberate thinking, and several with spontaneous thinking. And the spontaneous thinking is more associated with having many of those what we would call aha moments, where you're not really consciously pounding out creative ideas, but you're kind of um, they come to you out of the blue. Oh. Mm-hmm. Aha! I get it. Um, those eureka moments, and those tend to be when when we think about um, creative geniuses, many of them describe having a um, number of these aha moments where they weren't expecting the ideas to come to them. So, for instance, Mozart talks about sitting in a carriage in. Uh, riding through the streets of Vienna after a good meal. And he said all of a sudden he's sitting there, and this symphony comes to him fully formed. Mm. And he hears the the um, orchestration of each piece in the orchestra, each instrument in the orchestra. And he can hear the entire symphony from from that instrument's point of view, and all he has to do is go down and go home and write out the line for each instrument. Now, and he heard the entire thing fully wow. formed. Now, of course, he had to have the skill to know how to write it down. Right. So maybe it would be helpful if we went through yes, let's do that. the creative process. And, and then I can tell you about our very spontaneous thinker and, and, the, and, and the kind of art, artist, artist that she is. So because um, okay. I think that might be useful. But yes, go ahead. Start. Yes, we'll stay organized. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so the, just very briefly, some stages of the creative process. And I feel very comfortable talking about these because I've interviewed probably getting, getting close to a thousand um, creative people um, throughout my work now. These, these stages were first uh, delineated by Graham Wallace in his 1926 book, The Art of Thought. And every time I interview somebody, I ask them about their creative process. And most people have never heard of Graham Wallace, but it's interesting that they generally tell me more or less the same steps. Hmm. So the first step, of course, is preparation. And in order to be prepared to do anything creative, you have to have, first of all, a broad base of knowledge. If you think about what I said earlier, you have to have 
um, bits of knowledge to combine and recombine. And having a broad base of knowledge, which we find highly creative people tend to have very broad interests, and they're interested in lots of different things. So they have this very eclectic base of knowledge in their brain, and that's great because then you can pick things from one area and apply them to a very remote, um, distant um, domain, and that's where a lot of creative ideas come from. So you have this broad base of knowledge, and, and you listeners out there have really been doing this part of the creative process all your life, just gathering knowledge. The second part of that preparation is, is gathering your specific knowledge that you need for the domain in which you're working. So if you're an artist, you need to learn how to put the paint onto the canvas. You need to know a little bit about the history of your particular domain so that you don't reinvent the wheel, so to speak. If you're a, if you're a musician, you need to know how to play the musical instrument or even if it's your own voice, um, you need to know musical notation, et cetera. Um, and then the third part of that is you need to find a creative problem. So creative problem finding, sometimes problems present themselves. Sometimes you have to go out looking for them. But it's basically an area of your um, that, that you're working in that has maybe a, a missing, missing link in it a hole that needs to be filled. Maybe you want to experiment with something. Um, maybe something needs to be changed or you'd like to see something changed or improved. Just maybe you are speculating about something. But anyway, something uh, that you want to fix, change, etc., in your particular area. And then you kind of think about that, meditate on it, whatever. The next part of the process is incubation. So you kind of put that on the back burner of your brain, go back and do something else. Change what you're doing completely. Let that kind of simmer back there. And what we know about incubation is that your brain continues to work on a problem even when you're not consciously thinking about it. And most of our information processing, in fact, occurs below the level of conscious awareness. So then when your brain has found some patterns that match the problem that you set forth for it, it will feed that information forward into conscious awareness in one of these aha moments. So you'll have a moment of insight. But that only happens if you're in a particular state of brain in a particular brain state. And that's an open brain state, or what I call the absorbed brain state, which we'll talk about in a moment. Many people don't have these moments of insight because they're always so focused. Their attention is so focused on um, what they're doing that their mind doesn't allow this um, openness for aha moments to occur. Once you've had an, a creative idea that's come to you perhaps in an aha moment or perhaps you've worked through it consciously, then you have to evaluate it. Is it a decent idea? Is it worth pursuing? If you decide it's worth pursuing, then you have to elaborate it. 
flesh it out. And once you've fleshed it out, say you've, if it's an idea for the plot of a novel or something, you have to actually write the novel then, and then you have to implement it. Get it out there where other people can appreciate it, use it, make it adaptive in some way so that it's useful for other people. So that's basically the creative process. So now we can talk about different brain states in relation to this process. Yes. Are, are you still there? I am totally there. I am, I am, right. I am absolutely. How's everybody doing out there? I'm evaluating. I'm in. <laughs> I'm. I've. I've done my prep. I'm looking at this problem here. Yes. Okay. This, this good. is really, really. This is so helpful because we. You, I. I. I suspect other people too. You can see which part of these feel. Oh, that's totally comfortable. I do that all the time. And then which part is. Oh yes, that's the part. I kind of fall down on. I have a million ideas, but wow, I. I just don't know how to. How to prune this i don't know which right. one to follow or you know or vice versa um so very very interesting and, and i think as we continue discussing these brain sets that it'll even become more clear why that could be the case mm -hmm. so for instance evaluation is my downfall i am a terrible evaluator and that's really not helpful for somebody who is teaching college courses. <laughs> so luckily I have teaching assistants who do the grading. Ah, very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, evaluation is, is what I have to work on constantly because I feel like I want to be open and um, uh, receptive to everything that the universe is sending my way, and I don't ever evaluate it. Right. So that's what I'm working on. Okay. So everybody has their... There are areas where they feel mentally comfortable and areas where they feel uncomfortable. And we just have to keep working on that. Absolutely. Okay. So we, we're so, in the absorb brain set. Yes. That's my favorite. That's why I am starting with that. See, <laughs> I think like it's the most to important, too. Okay. <laughs> or should I just start with the absorb brain set? Go for it. Okay. So actually, I'll run, th well, okay, I'm going to start with the absorb brain set because that's my favorite. Um, so the absorb brain set, um, when you access this, you're actually opening your mind to new experiences and ideas, and you uncritically view the world and take in knowledge. Everything fascinates you and attracts your attention, and this state is helpful during knowledge gathering and during the incubation stages of the creative process. What's really interesting is um, Mark Beeman and John Cunios, who are neuroscientists at Northwestern University, did some research on what happens right before we have an aha moment. Mm. And by the way, what they noted is that immediately before this aha moment, there is a first gamma um, wave activity in the right temporal lobe. And they suggest, they interpret this as information feeding forward from the unconscious into conscious awareness, which I think is so cool. Wow. 
Isn't that neat? I think that's incredible. And it's coming, it really is, when you say put it on things on the back burner, as it were, it really is the back part of our brain, isn't it? So literally, yeah. it's the, when we talk about the, now, I don't want to say that I or anyone or any other neuroscientist know where conscious awareness resides. Right, right. Because that is a, that's a major question in neuroscience. Where, where's the conscious mind? Of course. In the brain. Um, that has not been resolved. But we do know that um, when we talk about the executive part of the brain and the part of the brain that seems to be the major decision maker of the brain, for most people that is the left dorsolateral prefrontal cortex and the surrounding areas there. So the left prefrontal cortex is what we often call the command center or um, the main part of the executive control network. And that's what you need to dial down just a little bit, turn the volume down on that area to allow ideas to feed forward into conscious awareness that are being developed in other parts of the brain. So um, part, um, there are associational cortices in the parietal, occipital, and temporal parts of the brain where information is coming together that may meet the parameters set forward by your executive center of your brain. And that's literally sending sending the message backwards to what I call the research and development parts of the brain, <laughs> saying, hey, this is what we're looking for, guys. Get to and work. And then when that information, when patterns match that information, that's when information gets fed into conscious awareness. Okay. So just is- a couple of pieces of information that are kind of interesting about this. In, um that support this, there's a, um, there's a disease, a disorder called frontotemporal dementia, which is a degenerative disorder of the brain. And when it attacks, not always, but sometimes, when it attacks the left prefrontal cortex area, people may develop something called sudden artistic interest. Fascinating. Yeah. And so it's like that part of the brain, the input into the left prefrontal cortex, which I told you is sort of the executive command center, um, that turn, that because of the disease, the input is turned down there, and these people become very artistic very creative more so than uh, before or maybe even in ways that they never were before yes both both Mm -hmm. Mm. and we've seen this both with art and with music wow so if you're interested in learning more about that bruce Bruce Miller is a person that you can look up and we'll we'll have those links uh when we archive this so it's within them already. They just weren't. Active. Well, that's you know that's 
the interesting thing, isn't it? Was yes. it in them already and just being inhibited? This is sometimes referred to as the cognitive disinhibition theory of creativity. That if you can turn down the inhibitory mechanisms of the brain, that um, natural creative tendencies will arise. And I'm a supporter of this theory. In fact, I've written rather extensively a, yes. on it. Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll and put some of those links. Another case study that your listeners may find very intriguing. And this is the story of Tommy McHugh. Tommy McHugh was um, British, a British, um, well, anyway, he was from Liverpool. And um, before he had an accident in 2001, he had a brain aneurysm. And prior to this, he had been in the construction business. His whole family had been in the construction business. But he also had a criminal record. And um, the criminal record had something to do with his, um, with his construction business. So I'm not exactly sure of all the details of what was going on there, but there was some evidence that there was extortion going on and oh a few other things. But anyway, so he had um, this aneurysm, and basically his his brain exploded. The aneurysm was in the prefrontal cortex. And he had to have extensive brain surgery, and they put a metal clip metal mm. clip in and were able to um, save his life. Mm. When he recovered from the brain surgery, he began painting. And he'd never been interested in art in his life. He'd never been interested in poetry And he began writing long poems, like long, long poems, and um, painting. And he painted all the canvases they could get him. And then he started painting every wall in his house, every inch (laughs) of the ceiling and the floor. Wow. As much as he could. He was practically a compulsive painter. Hmm. So the Discovery Channel wanted to look into him and um, see if he actually was if he if he was actually creative or if he was just compulsive and right. they contacted a colleague of mine Alice Flaherty who's a neurologist at um, Mass General to see if she could um, study his brain and also um, contacted me to see if I would do creativity tests on him to see if he was actually creative or just compulsive and they were going to bring Tommy McHugh over to this country for testing. Well, unfortunately, the State Department wouldn't allow him into the country because of his criminal record. Oh, my goodness. So he couldn't come here for the testing. But um, Alice went to um, Great Britain to do the brain testing on him. And unfortunately, he couldn't be scanned because he had metal in his brain. Mm-hmm. So that prohibited him from being scanned. But I did do creativity testing on him and it turned out he in fact was highly creative and his creativity scale skills got better and better as time progressed he practiced and his painting got more and more um proficient and beautiful and um at the, he's now deceased i'm sorry to say but at the time of his death 
he was had gained an international reputation and had had showings of his art in a number of um, um, fairly uh, prestigious galleries. So I think that's very, another interesting example of his prefrontal cortex, the executive part of his brain, the um, input there had been turned down and allowed this Wow. Intense creativity to flow forward. And the whole, yes, hold that thought. I just want to do a little business here. Um, if you just tuned in, you're listening to WERU Community Radio. This is the Healthy Options Program. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and our guest today is Dr. Shelley Carson, Harvard professor, researcher, neuroscientist, and we're having a discussion about our creative brains. And we just learned a little bit more about how to how perhaps we can access that even if we don't know that that's part of our uh, of our makeup so we're in the absorb brain set dr carson what where do we go after after we've opened up and absorbing and and learning what happens okay. then so the goal here is to kind of turn down the volume on that executive part of the brain right. and allow ourselves to absorb and to be able to access those other parts of the brain that um, may, who knows, hold hold um, creative tendencies for all of us. Yes. So, um, how can we do that? How can we? And, and there are several ways that we can. Um, this is called cognitive disinhibition, and what you want to do is defocus most of the day we go through our um, we go through our day highly focused with that executive part of the brain in high gear and that's important because that part of our brain is our that's where our executive functions are and we should rightly as humans be proud of that part of our brain that's really the part of our brain that prefrontal cortex that um, that separates us as humans from other species. So I don't want to um, to say that we shouldn't be using that a great deal of our time. But what we want to be able to do is to turn down the volume on that periodically and allow ourselves these moments or these time periods where we can defocus the brain, disinhibit the brain, and allow information that may be percolating in other parts of the brain to feed forward for us. And so this is a very important skill that I would like your listeners to consider developing. Yes. And in order to do that, you need to be able to disinhibit your brain at will and then be able to regain your focus when you want to. That's called cognitive flexibility. So I'm now going to percolate. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> it's not goal goal oriented necessarily. I want, I'm, or maybe it is. And what, I'm meditating. I'm yeah. What meditation is one meditation is one way to do it. Yeah. Um. Definitely. There's a period right after um. Right after aerobic exercise where you are in a state of defocused attention and 
um, cognitive disinhibition. So if you do aerobic exercise for about 30 minutes to two hours, depending on the individual, you will be in this more defocused, um, absorbing state. And that's a very fertile time for creativity. So that's a good time to do creative work. Mm. One other way to get into this mildly disinhibited state is to take one alcoholic drink. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but I don't recommend this for this for this reason, even though it does produce the state that we're talking about. It's you don't want to condition your brain to get into to do creative work when you've been drinking because then you may start associating creative work with drinking and only be able to be creative when you've had a drink, and you don't want that. Right. So I suggest doing, using other methods. Yes. That would that that are uh, definitely uh, not about addiction. I, although one can get addicted to aerobic exercise, but it's still a little different. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, and a little healthier. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, go ahead. then there's um, another exercise that I can do with your um, listeners right now. Yeah, let's do if it. You're willing. Sure. And this is called um, broadening your um, broadening your senses. Now, if people are driving, pull over, please. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Whatever you do, if you're driving or operating heavy machinery, right. Stop. You might want not to do this. <laughs> okay, very You can good. still listen, but don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Okay. Let's do okay. it. Okay. So the goal of this is we're going to bring we're going to bring information into conscious awareness that we're currently inhibiting. And what we're doing is we're broadening the amount of information that's in sensory awareness right now. All right? Okay, they're doing it. Okay, here we go. So what I want you to do is put your feet flat on the floor if you can and take a deep breath. Breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. Take another deep breath. Inhale, exhale, and now as you inhale again, if you haven't done so already, please close your eyes and exhale. And as you continue to breathe, become aware of where your feet are touching the floor. Become aware of where your feet touch the floor. And as you continue to breathe, become aware of all the places where your body is touching the furniture on which you sit. Become aware of where your body touches the furniture and your feet the floor. As you continue to breathe, become aware of all the places that you can feel your clothing 
touching your body. Become aware of your clothes on your body, your body against the furniture, your feet on the floor. And now take your right hand and gently rub your right thigh and feel the texture of the clothing material. Just become aware of the texture of the fabric. And now become aware of the air around you. Become aware of the air. Is it warm or is it cool? Is it moist or is it dry? Is it moving or is it still? And now become aware of any sounds you can hear. You can hear my voice. What else can you hear? Background noises. Can you hear an HVAC system where you are? Noises from the outside. Computer noises. Just listen for any background noises you can hear. And now open your eyes and look around you and notice all the colors in your environment. Notice also light and shadows. If you're in a room where lights are turned on, notice how the lights create shadows on walls, on the floor, on the ceiling. And now look for angles. If you're inside, look for angles of the ceiling to the walls and the walls to the floor and furniture against the walls. If you're outside, look for angles of trees against the sky or buildings against the sky. The world is full of angles and your eyes are good at detecting them. And now take another deep breath and refocus on our conversation. So what you've just done is you have opened your mind to many sensory experiences that you were probably filtering out before our before this exercise began. So you've broadened the contents of awareness. And this is an exercise in cognitive disinhibition. 
when you do an exercise like this before you begin doing creative work, it actually um, defocuses attention and um, disinhibits your brain so that you can actually do better work. So everyone out there, we only have about 10 minutes left in this show, but uh, so you're in a prime place now to do your best creative work. So uh, remember that as you, as you listen and, and practice and know that we can do this. Wow. So some people can go into this very, very spontaneously, and some people out there may have been thinking, this is the most ridiculous thing. Why are we doing mm -hmm. this at all? And I would suggest that people who think, who have thought that, and many people will, are probably people who prefer the reason brain set or even the evaluate brain set. Those are two of the brain sets that are associated with the deliberate brain set, with the deliberate pathway. The reason brain set um, is when you um, is a preferred brain set for people who consciously enjoy manipulating information and working memory to solve a problem. People who prefer the reason brain set do not like relinquishing control of their thoughts, and that's very common. Many people don't like to relinquish control of their thoughts. Um, and so they solve problems and they do their creative work consciously, step-by-step -step, trial and error. What I think they will find is if they can allow themselves to do more spontaneous um, creative work, that they will have more creative ideas. Um, and they will find creative work to, to come to them more easily. But I do understand that there are people who, who, who don't like to do that. It's, it's uncomfortable for them. And that's, you know, that's very common. That's about 40% of the people that I work with. They do, however, come back and thank me when they have finished a program of learning to be more spontaneous. So for those of you who are out there who don't like to relinquish conscious control of your thoughts, um, I, I would recommend that you try it. Um, you, can, you can try it by getting a copy of your creative brain. Oh, shameless, shameless. Um, <laughs> I, really? Um, Stop that um, right now. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. my own book. <laughs> okay. But um, there oh. are a number of different exercises in there for doing that. Right. And the, you know, we do, obviously, we're not going to have time to go through all seven, but talk more about, since our mind is so flexible, and I'm absolutely transformed from, from this. This happens to me every time I do a show and we do a meditation. I I'm become my, spe I, I don't have speech any longer. I'm, I'm in a whole different part of my brain. Um, thank you again uh, to be part of that team that makes me speechless <laughs> but, but but what and and so the reason so this idea of, of of actually focusing on something and saying this is what I'm working on and doing that is something that I and many and the people who are very comfortable in the absorb mindset would need to work on would you say <laughs> and oh yeah and yeah, well, I've already said that I, I need to work on the evaluate um, brain state, which is a, basically the evaluate brain state is um, a 
state where you are able to consciously judge the value of ideas, yes. concepts, products, behaviors, and individuals. It's the critical eye of mental activity. And we as humans need to be evaluators. I mean, that's, yes. that's part of our survival skills is being able to do rapid evaluation. And so... Um, if you are an absorbed person like myself, you will do yourself a favor if you learn to evaluate more, um, more judiciously and more rapidly. But it's a state that if you're also in, the, in a creative field, you, you want to be in that state. Um, you want to be able to get in and out of that state at will and, and, and you I don't think, want to spend all your time in the evaluate brain state right and that's that's the, the other the other point that we should get across that all that if there's a flexibility that we are that we're using these consciously unconsciously but we are using these as tools and our whole brain all, everything all of these areas should can integrate that we can say okay i need to be in this state now Oh, and now I need to, how do I implement that? Well, I'm not going to get that from the generating ideas part of my brain. I need to be, well, I need a plan. I need to call the PR person. I need to write a press release. I need to, you know, that kind of thing. I need to go to the printer, you know, or whatever. You need that, and, and one needs to be flexible and learn how to move between all of these states. So it's not not one better than the other, or boy, we need this to be our full creative to access our full creative potential. That's absolutely true. And the reason brain set is the brain set that will help you decide which brain state you should be in. So using that kind of as a fallback mode, which I think as, as humans we tend to do anyway, and then decide what, what is the task at hand and which brain state is the best, which brain set is the best brain set for the current task at hand. And the other thing that I tell people is if you can't get into the right brain set for the task at hand, change the task you're working on. Ah. Um, because sometimes we're, we're so, you know, we're stressed out or we're, we're in a state where we can't control our brain set right now. So, okay, maybe we can change the task we're working on Ooh. so that it matches our brain set. And then we aren't wasting time. We aren't beating our head against the wall. Wow. So we have all this flexibility. Now, Dr. Con uh, we only, uh, Carson, we only have two minutes left. So <laughs> I know. It's crazy. You definitely have to come back. We're going to have to talk about this. And, uh, well, I would love to. I would love to do that. Um, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you're working on just for about a minute and and then we'll do our outro and then we're definitely going to have you back i love this idea of of trans of changing the the task as well uh to match yourself so we can really honor where we are in our creative process at each each project that we uh and take on yes okay. so cognitive flexibility is very important and the goal ultimately is to be able to use all of the different brain states, all of the different brain sets. But while you're learning, um, while you're learning to do that, um, try to match the task to the brain set that you're in if you can't get your, um, if you can't get into the right brain set. So mm. that is, um, that, that's a good um, lesson to learn. <laughs> um, the, the, um, the project that I'm working on right now is called Your Life Message. It's a new book that I'm writing. And um, the, the gist of this book is 
all of us have a message to impart. If you were to think about it, and I know I have to be very quick here, um, what is the one message that you would like to pass on to everyone uh, else? Oh, Dr. Carson, absolutely. More to be discussed. Thank you so much. Our guest today on Healthy Options has been Dr. Shelley Carson, research psychologist, lecturer at Harvard University, and the author of Your Creative Brain, Seven Steps to Maximize Imagination, Productivity, Innovation in Your Life. Her website is shellycarson.com.com, and many articles are there. We have links to this, and we will to other information that was mentioned when we post the show on the public affairs section at weru.org. If you missed any part of this program or would like to share it, please go to weru.org to find our recent programs on demand. Thanks to John uh, Greenman for engineering, to Petra Hall for production assistance, and as always, thanks to all of our WERU listeners and supporters. This is Rhonda Feynman. Wishing you the best in health. Uh, an announcement for upcoming programming uh, interruptions. A test today of the presidential nationwide emergency system will be conducted by FEMA on compatible mobile devices and on the air. Wireless test will be at 2.18 p.m. Radio test will be at 2.20 and uh, this is apparently just a test by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Nothing to do with our programming or any desires to have these tests done. They are being done for us, and uh, it is a test by the Presidential Nationwide Emergency System. Support for WERU comes from our listeners, volunteers, business supporters, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. To find out what you can do to support community radio, go to W 